episode 78, Why You Should Stop Looking for Happiness at Work. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful, but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live Life Amplified. A friend of mine sent me a parable about the 1849 gold rush in the email recently, and it lined up so perfectly with the topic that I wanted to share today. So if you don't mind, I'd like to start today with a short story instead of the typical quote that I use. In 1849, a young merchant from Boston was caught up in the fervor of the California gold rush. He sold all of his possessions to seek his fortune in the California rivers, which he was told were filled with gold nuggets so big that one could hardly carry them. Day after endless day, the young man dipped his pan into the river and came up empty. His only reward was a growing pile of rocks. Discouraged and broke, he was ready to quit until one day an experienced prospector said to him, That's quite a pile of rocks you're getting there, my boy. The young man replied, There's no gold here. I'm going back home. Walking over to the pile of rocks, the old prospector said, Oh, there's gold all right. You just have to know where to find it. He picked two rocks up in his hands and crashed them together. One of the rocks split open, revealing several flecks of gold sparkling in the sunlight. Noticing a bulging leather pouch fastened to the prospector's waist, the young man said, I'm looking for nuggets like the ones in your pouch, not just tiny flecks. The old prospector extended his pouch toward the young man who looked inside, expecting to see several large gold nuggets. He was stunned to see that the pouch was filled with thousands of flecks of gold. The old prospector said, Son, it seems to me you're so busy looking for large nuggets that you're missing filling your pouch with these precious flecks of gold. The patient accumulation of these little flecks has brought me great wealth. And that's really the analogy of the story. So many of us are like the young merchant. We're always after that great big of elusive gold that's going to bring us true happiness. And more often than not, what I find in my work is many people are looking for that through their career. We're chasing the bigger pay raise, the next job title, the 401k. And and when those things don't work out, typically we start chasing a new relationship, a nicer car, or some external measure that proves our worth and that we believe is going to be the magic elixir for long-term happiness. And what I want to share with you this week is some of the scientific-backed research that tells us the opposite is true, that happiness is found in small flecks of gold all throughout our everyday lives. And sometimes those little flecks are out in the open. Sometimes they're buried in the mundane and boring rocks. But let's give you a path to find true happiness. And perhaps the first thing that we have to uncover, if we're going to answer the question of what will make me happy, is what does happiness even mean? It's a different answer for different people. And in all the research I've done over the past few weeks, there's no consensus in the scientific community or among any of the spiritual gurus. If you look it up in the Oxford Dictionary, they say happiness is the state of being happy. Whatever the hell that actually means. Merriam-Webster says happiness is a state of pleasure or contentment, which is really interesting because that means happiness is not pleasure, that those are two different things. It also means happiness is just an emotional state and not a personality trait. So it's changeable. It's ever moving. It's not permanent and constant. Happiness 
comes and goes. I learned this firsthand last week. I was in South Florida. I went to go visit my best friend for my birthday. We had these plans. We were going to hang out around Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and then drive up to Disney because they were opening the new Star Wars park out there in Orlando. And unfortunately, Hurricane Dorian had other ideas. And as I helped my friend prepare for the storm, the other thing I had to do was get a flight out back to California so I could avoid the hurricane. And not an easy thing to do. I mean, there was one point in that trajectory of the storm when we really thought Florida was going to take a direct hit is a Category 5. So it was really hard to change my flight. I managed to get the last flight out to San Diego on Sunday night. And I was really grateful for that. And I set this intention because I thought the the airport was just going to be a mob scene of people trying to evacuate. And it really wasn't the case. I got through check-in security in about 15 minutes and I'm waiting for my plane. And I was just so happy and in the state of gratitude that I was able to get out just in time that I felt protected by the universe in that moment. And then they get on the PA system and they're like, attention passengers going to San Diego. It seems we do not have a crew for this flight. We're going to have a delay. And instantly all that gratitude went right out the window. (laughs) I was bitching and complaining and texting my friend. The people around me were doing it. Although there was every reason to be joyous that eventually we were going to get out and avoid what we believed was this massive Category 5 hurricane. And it just proved to me how cheap our happiness is. That, you know, we can feel it in one minute and the next minute it's gone. I mean, happiness is not that different of a state from hunger, right? We can be hungry, but then we feed ourselves and we're not hungry anymore until we're hungry again. And and happiness drifts in and out like that. So it's not the optimal state we should be going for. And the paradox of happiness, and you even see this uh, as you look this up in the dictionaries and look online, in order to talk about happiness, it's almost that you have to give the opposite. It's almost as if we're talking about happiness, we define it by what it is not. We have more research on what doesn't cause happiness than the things that actually lead to happiness. But out of all the studies I've looked at, here are three things I can absolutely tell you with certainty that happiness at work and in life is not. It's not about being happy all the time. Every research study has shown that almost all happy people still experience times of sadness. Carl Jung talked about this. He says, quote, even a happy life cannot be without a measure of darkness. And the word happy would lose its meaning if it were not balanced out by sadness. And what I found in my own personal growth journey is that sadness can be a useful emotion. Sadness is usually just a call for awareness to some emotional underlying issue that needs to be healed. It often leads us to the trauma work that we need to do to elevate into the next level of our life. Happiness also, according to research, is not about having a lot of money. You know, while we certainly are going to struggle to be happy living below the poverty line, we still see this all the time. I have friends who've gone on mission trips and gone to Africa and there are kids who are living off, you know, literally less than a dollar a day who are just happy with a stick and a ball running through the fields. They can still be in a state of joy despite tough circumstances. And if you look at the research by Daniel Kahneman, he's found the same thing, that money increases your happiness up until about $75,000 a year. And then any amount after that It might buy you more luxury, it might give you more pleasure, but none of it is scientifically proven 
to lead to more happiness. And there's some other smaller studies out there that show the opposite, that the more money people make, a lot of time their happiness decreases. And the third thing that happiness is not when it comes to your career in life is it's not a destination. So often we judge ourselves and where we're at in life now because we think back on a happy memory in the past that we miss. So we start living in the past or we expect happiness to arrive when we reach the next big achievement or goal or ambition that we have in our life. You know, once I become an executive vice president, then a vice president, then a senior vice president, then, you know, once I get all that, I'll be happy. So we push happiness off into the future, the thing I like to call the next big thing syndrome, and what it prevents us from doing is being happy right now in the present moment. And the present moment is the only place you and I have the power or the resources to truly create the amplified career and life that we want. So now that we figured out what happiness isn't, what I'd like to share with you this week is why you shouldn't actually be chasing happiness at work and what all the research tells us we should focus on instead. We're going to talk about two types of happiness, according to science, one that leaves you empty and one of them that fills your spirit. And we're going to talk about what research says we can do right now to become 40% happier and to create a larger sense of well-being in our life. Going to get to that coming up in just a moment. First, a couple housekeeping items for the podcast. Don't forget, we are still running a contest through the month of September where you could win your choice of a brand new pair of Apple AirPods, or I will send you an Amazon gift card in the amount of the AirPods. All you have to do is leave us an honest review up on Apple. Well, you know, this isn't about kissing up. This isn't about telling me how great the podcast is. It's just your honest views. If if the content that we provided in these episodes have added value to your life, would you please share the word? Leave us an honest review. And before you hit submit, screenshot that and send it to me on email, Dan at creativesoulcoaching.net. What I'll do is every review that comes in, I'm going to make a donation to Feeding America that's going to help feed 165 hungry people. Plus, each person is going to go in the grand prize drawing for their choice of the AirPods or the Amazon gift card. The deadline for this is going to be October 5th. So if you'll take two minutes out of your day uh, and submit that review, I would love to shout you out here on the podcast and also make a donation to Feeding America in your name. It's a win-win for everybody. And why am I doing this? Uh, Again, because the reviews really help with that algorithm up on Apple, and it helps us get this podcast and all this information in front of more people. Also, coming up toward the end of the month, I'm going to be doing another listener Q&A mailbag podcast where we're going to be answering your questions about creating an amplified career in life. So if there is anything that is in the way of you creating your next level, and there's something that you would ask me if you and I could sit down for coffee... uh, feel free to message me that. Uh, You can slide into my DMs up on Instagram. You can find me at CSC Dan Mason. You can send me a message through Facebook or through our private community for the podcast, the Life Amplified Power Tribe. We have the link for that in the show notes. Or you can just email me that question privately to the address that I mentioned earlier for the contest, dan at creativesoulcoaching.net. It's just another way that we can serve you and offer you some little bits of wisdom, some information that's going to help you amplify your life. All that being said, let's dive in. We're going to talk about why you shouldn't chase happiness at work this week on Life Amplified. 
The average person spends over 90,000 hours at work in their lifetime. So what if there was a way that we could make that time more enjoyable? Here's the catch, though. Have you ever noticed if you set happiness as a primary goal in your life, sometimes it's almost as if we can start feeling the opposite. And, you know, that's why I gave you that information at the beginning of the episode this week, that happiness is a fleeting state. It's not a permanent condition. It's not, you know, a moment that you arrive at where you bust through the ribbon in the marathon and you are home free to a happier life. All the research that's out there tells us we should be looking for an alternative goal at work instead of happiness. And that is finding meaning. According to one survey of 12,000 employees I found at the Harvard Business Journal, half of them said they didn't have a feeling of meaning or purpose in their work. However, the ones who did reported 1.7 times greater job satisfaction. They were 1.4 times more engaged at work, and they were more than three times as likely to remain with their current employer. How important is meaning and purpose in the workplace? Well, according to a study by Sean Acor and his research team, they found that 9 out of 10 people would be willing to swap a percentage of their lifetime earnings for more meaningful work. In fact, some of the data suggests that people would take as much as a 23% pay cut if they knew that the work that they did mattered to them and added to a sense of purpose. But what are the things that we're really looking for when we talk about meaning? And how is meaning different from happiness? So this is a topic that philosophers and scholars have been talking about for over 2,000 years. Aristotle was the one who said that there were two forms of happiness. The first one was hedonic, which he said was all about obtaining pleasure. But pleasure is an even more fleeting feeling than happiness when you think about it. Like how many times have you indulged in eating that triple chocolate cake at dessert and it was decadent and you were so excited to have this goodness up in your mouth and then you went home and you felt guilty for eating it. Maybe you even felt a little bloated. You felt like, oh God, this is wrecking my health goals. So while there was pleasure in the moment, it quickly evaporated. Another example of this could be the times, and we've all done it, right? Where we've hooked up with somebody who was toxic for us. Maybe you went back and had sex with an ex and it always feels good in the moment, right? We feel great when we're in the orgasm trance. Then all of a sudden though, you roll over, you look at that person and you start thinking about all the reasons the relationship didn't work or why it wasn't an emotional connection. And in many times we can be left feeling empty. So hedonic happiness, great in the moment. It's not a long-term path to success. One of the terms that we've talked about on the podcast before, researchers use the term the hedonic treadmill, that we're constantly running in place looking for the next thing to bring us pleasure, but it never really lasts. We get the pay raise and then our brain quickly adjusts and that new standard of living just becomes expected. It's not special anymore. So we have to run again to reach the next goal and it just ends up being in many regards like we're a cat chasing its own tail. The other form of happiness and the one One that really, uh, according to philosophers, scholars, and all the research, leads to long-term happiness is eudaimonic happiness. Think of it as just overall well-being. In fact, the word eudaimonic comes from the Greek root that means good spirit. 
The eudaimonic perspective on well-being emphasizes the importance of a purpose-driven existence. And what's crazy about this is there's actually research now out of North Carolina that says people who've truly cultivated this eudaimonic well-being actually have better test results when they sample their blood. Their immune systems actually work better. Our bodies literally reward us for focusing on meaning in our life instead of focusing on accumulation. So if we apply this to our work and to our career and we start thinking about focusing on meaning over happiness, the question is, is what is the difference? Psychologist Roy Baumaster and his colleagues have studied this extensively. They said there are five factors that differentiate meaning and happiness. Number one, happiness tends to be about what we're getting from life as opposed to meaning, which is about what we are giving. If you're simply focused on living a happy life, you're at the whim of the rest of the world. You are reacting to your environment. You're experiencing pleasant emotions when things are going well, and you're experiencing unpleasant emotions when things are not going your way. But what's interesting is the people who are focused on cultivating meaning are impervious to the circumstances of the world. You know, think of the people like Nelson Mandela, who spent like three decades in a prison in South Africa. People asked him, what were you doing? living in those harsh conditions. In his mind, he said he was preparing because he knew what he wanted to accomplish when he was finally freed. Viktor Frankl was imprisoned in a Nazi camp and saw unspeakable conditions. He saw his loved ones murdered by the Germans. And for him, he found meaning in that. He was able to survive those conditions and it led to him creating Logos Therapy on the back end. So if you're trying to build a career built on meaning, some great questions for you to consider are, what am I good at? What does the world need? What are the problems that I see in the world that I would like to contribute to the solution on? Because it's getting us in a service mindset. And it's a really different conversation when we talk about following our purpose than simply following our passion, which those conversations are about, well, what do I love to do? What do I love to do that people will pay me for? It's a little me focused. Passion's not a bad thing, but passion can be more in the hedonic lane as to where purpose is getting us in the eudaimonic lane. Also, a second big difference between happiness and meaning is all about the time frame. Happiness is directly related to how I'm doing in the present moment. Am I getting my needs met? Am I getting the results that I want? People who are focused on meaning, according to Baumeister, they're able to assemble their past, present, and future into a coherent story. They don't dwell on the struggles of the past because they know that that's helped them build resilience. Or maybe it's less them to being part of solving that problem that they've overcome. People who hate their job, who are focused on happiness, will be the ones who allow themselves to stay locked in the golden handcuffs. They'll sign another contract at the job and take another pay raise. They'll take the next set of stock options and abandon their purpose because they have to get those needs met in the present moment. One of my former clients described this to me so beautifully. She said, you know, she was a person for years who stayed attached to the golden handcuffs and her boss would joke about it. Her boss, you know, would say in meaning, 
meetings. I'm going to make it impossible for any of you to leave. <laughs> and every time she tried to quit, they just offer more money. And for a period of time, she would do that until the need for meaning and purpose became so great that she eventually hired me to find another path. And she's left that corporate job and she's thriving and doing a deeply meaningful work that she's passionate about now. The third difference between happiness and meaning is about our social connections. And we've talked about this on the podcast before, that we are not meant to live in isolation. We are tribal creatures. We are built for connection and friendship and to have people around us that love and support us. But if you are a person focused on happiness, you experience that by having other people help you. If you're a person focused on meaning, you're very focused on being able to help others. So again, you know, are you asking yourself, what can I get from the world? Or are you asking, what can I contribute? How can I serve? That's a powerful question that will ultimately lead you to finding your life's purpose. The fourth difference between happiness and meaning is all about how we show up to face life's challenges. Because when you are in a struggle and you are facing difficulty in your life, you are going to have less happiness. However, people who want to live a meaningful life embrace the challenges and know that whatever circumstances or difficulties they're up against right now is actually pushing them to become more. So it's not like we ever love the struggle but we can appreciate it and rise up knowing that as we overcome it, you know, then we become that person worthy of the goal that we seek. And the fifth and final difference between happiness and meaning is about personal identity and self-expression. People who are very focused on living a life of meaning, they want to align with a job or with a cause or a purpose that allows them to express their highest self. However, people focused on happiness abandon that and throw that idea out the window. In fact, they're usually trying to change or conform to who they need to be to get the next bit of praise or their next promotion at work. We abandon ourselves in many instances to gain happiness as to where people focused on meaning are really doing the work to figure out who they are and how can they express that most fully in service of other people. So in short, happiness is not the enemy. You are here to be happy. You are here to experience all the things that you want in life. And you're allowed to receive all the things that you want. You know, there's nothing unspiritual about making a million dollars or a hundred million dollars. There is nothing that's not spiritual about having your dream job because the more that you are happy and the more you're receiving, the more good you can do in the world. So the idea that I'm getting at here is not about saying happiness or pursuing happiness is a bad thing. It's one of the things that's guaranteed to us in the Constitution, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But we can't put it above our purpose. That is the thing. A lot of us have our priorities out of whack. When you look for meaning and purpose first, happiness tends to flow more easily. You're solving problems in the world. When you're solving problems, people will pay you abundantly for that. When you're solving problems in the world, your body naturally releases feel-good chemicals. Dopamine, oxytocin, neurotransmitters, all the good stuff happens when you're in service. By the way, the people People who are on the receiving end of your kindness also get that same dopamine and oxytocin hit and 
people who are witnessing the acts of kindness, who aren't even directly involved, also get the same chemical release. Why do you think that so many of these touching videos of like a U.S. serviceman coming home to go to the daddy-daughter dance with his daughter, why does that go viral? Because the more that we see that, the more we want to share it, and the people who are sharing it feel good, the people watching it feel good, the people who are in the room feel good. Again, it's the universe's way of rewarding us for doing the right thing. And finally, the last bit of data that I would like to share when it comes to happiness is the research that really breaks down on a percentage basis what the contributing factors are that determine our happiness levels. Now, according to the data, 50% of our happiness is genetic. Not too surprising. We know that mental health issues can be passed on genetically. However, there is a lot of data out there saying through our thoughts and actions, we can turn those genes on and off. So just because you might have had a parent who struggled with depression and anxiety, it does not have to be your genetic fate that we can actually turn genes on and off depending on the new neural connections that we're making and how we control our thoughts. But 50% of our happiness is linked to genetics. Here's what's interesting. Only 10% of our happiness are linked to the current circumstances of our life. Although whatever you're up against right now, whether it be stress at work, financial struggle, troubles with your marriage or your children, it might consume 100% of your mental whiteboard space. It really only has an effect on 10% of your actual happiness. The other 40%, according to research, is directly under our control. That our thoughts and actions, the way we show up each day, is everything. So how do we make the most of this 40%? Well, as we said, number one, having meaning and purpose in your life is absolutely scientifically corresponded to overall happiness. Find your life's purpose, bring it forward in service to other people. And it's usually not something that we find on our own. Coaching and mentorship is a game changer in this area. It's really at the core of a lot of the work that I do with people. I have some VIP coaching spots open right now. Uh, A couple clients who are graduating, so I am ready to call in new people. And if that is you, you really want to lock in on meaning and purpose and how to bring it forward, creativesoulcoaching.net is where you go. Number two, positive social connections. Notice I said positive social connections. My hope is that you're spending time with people who lift you up instead of the ones who drag you down. So there's a lot of ways that you could do that. You could ask a friend to lunch. You could join a book club. You could join a group on a website like meetup.com. You could write a letter. Put in a phone call, not just a text message. Imagine just like reconnecting with an old friend. Uh, You could join a sports team. You could take a class. But we want to create a better sense of social connection in your life because that is absolutely going to buffer us from things like anxiety, depression, and it keeps us motivated and engaged with life. Number three, if you're looking to really control this 40%, uh, you've got to release what doesn't serve you anymore. A lot of times that can be practicing the act of forgiveness, letting go of resentment from the people who hurt you. And by the way, I know that somebody listening today has been through some really severe, intense hurt. But remember what I've said on this podcast before, that forgiveness is a self-focused tool. It is never about the other person. It doesn't make what they did okay. It's simply an acceptance on your part 
that the past cannot be changed, and it's a willingness to relate to the past differently. So we want to release anything that is no longer serving us. Sometimes that can be a job. It could be a relationship that is toxic, but it can certainly just be the resentments that we've carried. Another way that you can really take control and increase this 40% happiness is a gratitude practice. One of my clients it comes from the science world. She's a very successful surgeon. And, you know, she's a big data person. So for her, the idea of living in gratitude seems so hokey and she was so resistant. And yet that's one of the things that she's embraced that has really created the biggest leap forward for her in her life is giving thanks for the small blessings. Remember, if you can't celebrate the small wins in your life, you'll never celebrate the big ones. It's at the cornerstone of what I do each day. In the morning and in the evening, I journal about five things that I'm grateful for. You could take this up a notch. You could write a gratitude letter to somebody who has positively impacted your life, but there is always reason to celebrate and to include that into your life. And one other way that you can really take control and own this 40% more happiness, it's about creating positive experiences. What are the things that you would do if today was your last day on earth? What are some of those bucket list things? You can find some joy in every day. And, and look, if you can't go away and climb Machu Picchu right now, cool. But, you know, for me, taking a walk on the beach is something that brings me a tremendous amount of joy. And I'll be honest, it's one of the things that I abandoned from my life when I moved out here to California. You know, when I first made this move to La Jolla, which for me was one of those external things that I thought was going to bring lasting happiness. If I could just fall asleep listening to the beach at night and wake up to sunsets on the water, I thought that that was going to be the key. And for a period of time, it was. I moved here. I was in so much gratitude. I would soak up every minute I could walking along that beach with my dog in the morning. And my business skyrocketed accordingly. You know, January was the biggest month in the history of my my business. But again, like when we talk about with that hedonic mindset, I started to take it for granted and I started to focus on the next result. How could I make February even bigger than January? And I was looking for some other financial carrot that was going to be the next big thing. And somehow in the struggle of all that, I started spending less time out in nature. I started to isolate more. It became more about my work and taking this message out there. And don't get me wrong. My work is my life's purpose. You know, coaching my VIP clients, my speaking engagements, creating this podcast for you every week is absolutely my life's purpose. That part of me is aligned. But then there is also part of me that is ambitious and sometimes just for the sake of ambition. It's those little patterns underneath from childhood of trying to prove that I'm enough. I don't even know who I'm trying to prove that to sometimes. But when I get off track and start going down that road, all of a sudden everything starts falling apart. I noticed, you know, middle of the year, I started feeling less happy. And it's something that I've really had to push the reset button on. And it's why non-negotiable time every day. In fact, as soon as I finish recording this podcast, I'll be walking out on the beach with my puppy Brady. We're going to be out there living it up and soaking up some sun and, you know, throwing a ball out there uh, uh, along the ocean. But what is that for you? You know, maybe the beach isn't your jam. Maybe you hate sand in your toes. That's cool. Maybe it's a good book. 
could be a good glass of wine. It could be taking a walk, uh, a walk through an art gallery that you love. It could be creating art of your own. But let's get clear on what those positive experiences are. What are the hobbies? How can we create that free time and really utilize it in your life? And that is another way that you can become 40% happier. I am so lit up and moved by this topic right now. It's something that is really personally important to me. It's something that I've been working on. And what I'm going to be doing starting on Monday, September 9th, is kicking off a 10-day Amplified Happiness Challenge on my Instagram page. I would love for you to follow. I would love for you to participate with me. You can find me on the gram at CSC Dan Mason. And I know like there's part of you right now that's going, well, Dan, you said happiness isn't the goal. So why is it a happiness challenge? Because we're not going to be chasing happiness externally. We're going to be cultivating it from within through a sense of meaning, through a sense of purpose. And I'm just going to give you some small challenges every day. I'm going to be there doing it with you. I would love for you to participate. And please, if you have a friend in your life who is going through a rough patch, if you have a friend who's laying in bed at night thinking to themselves, man, is this all there is? Do you know somebody who's accomplished everything they set out to do, but they don't feel any happier? Could you please share this podcast with them? Send the link, ask them to take a listen, and it would mean the world to me if you were able to help me spread the word. I love you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of my community. Don't forget If you'd like to work one-on-one with me, there are limited spots to do that. You can go to my website, creativesoulcoaching.net. You can also leave us those reviews up on Apple. Don't forget to screenshot it before you submit. Email it to me, dan at creativesoulcoaching.net. We'll get you in the running for those Apple AirPods or an Amazon gift card, whichever one is going to amplify your happiness the most. And for every new review that goes up, we're going to make a donation on your behalf to Feeding America. So big win-win for everybody. In the meantime, turn down the volume on your negativity, turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified. 